Hello, and welcome to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast, where we discuss what it means to praise God even when it's difficult. My name is Tori. And my name is Mary. And we are your hosts. Come chat about faith and life with your new sisters in Christ and enjoy learning and growing alongside us. We are so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast. Today, we are joined by a former guest of the podcast, Lauren Delgado. And Lauren is a board certified nurse midwife who has been working with women and families since 2015. And Lauren was a guest on the Sacrifice of Praise podcast back in 2021. And we discussed women's health, cycle tracking, natural family planning, and fertility. It was a really great episode. So if you hadn't listened to this one yet, I recommend you go back and listen because it's really, it was just full of so many helpful tips that Lauren shared. And so then today we are welcoming her back on chat all about how to prepare for a holy and peaceful labor and delivery. We'll talk about tips for expecting mothers and home birth. And so Lauren, she's just a wealth of knowledge and we are very fortunate to have her back on the podcast to share her wisdom with us. So we are going to be welcoming her on soon. But before we do that, we of course are going to share some of our current favorites. So Mary, you want to kick us off this week? Yes, sounds good. My current favorite. So for any toddler or like little kid parents, this is a favorite for you guys to check out. For Bloom, when she started getting teeth, we started brushing her teeth, obviously. And we just used like a little, we had used like a little silicone one for a long time because we knew that it like didn't harbor bacteria. And also like it's, it's really hard to brush a baby's teeth. But for Christmas, I got Bloom a new toothbrush. And I had seen this on, I don't know if it was, I had seen this somewhere on the internet these three-sided toothbrushes for kids. So they're like, it's kind of like almost like a C shape, like the, the head part is. And so, um, it is honestly, literally every night I'm like, Bobby, this is so life-changing. It makes brushing her teeth so easy because it just like kind of cups the, all of the teeth. And so you can do like really quick sweeps and you can totally tell that it's like cleaning them it's awesome. So there is a brand that I think I saw originally that is like a, if you search like three-sided toddler toothbrush that would come up, it's like a pretty popular brand. I don't know the name, but I just purchased, um, hers on Amazon and it's from, it's called the, okay, this is the store name and it has, it had a lot of really good reviews. The store name is L E y-u-y-o and it's a three-sided toothbrush for kids so it's awesome I love it I feel like if you ever struggle with brushing your baby or toddler's teeth like this is the one yes oh my gosh every mom needs that because I feel like brushing teeth is so hard especially making sure that they're getting like all the teeth especially in the back so I have never even heard of that so that's I have to check it out yes it's awesome what about you Um, Okay. So my current favorite is my rosary walks. So I just kind of started this. It's a very recent current favorite, but I picked it up in the new year. I had talked about this in our first episode of the season of just wanting to prioritize my faith this year and have some time for myself. 
So I've been prioritizing a daily rosary and I just, I have been doing it on our treadmill. We've got a treadmill in our basement. And so it's usually like during nap time for the boys, I'll go down and it's just like a 15 minute walk really. And I, it's nothing crazy, but I'll listen to a pod like podcast episode of the mysteries for that day, or I'll just pray it to myself, but it's just been really great. It's been, I have fallen away from saying the rosary consistently for a while now. We always do a rosary on Sunday before mass, but I just, I used to say the rosary all the time and I, again, fallen away from it. So I know it's like still early in the year, but I'm hoping that this is something that I can continue doing. And it's just a kind of like 15 minute detox of my mind and like time mm-hmm. to connect and even just like a time for prayer intention. So if like people ask for prayers or if I, if I have personal prayers myself, I'll dedicate decades to um, certain mm-hmm. things. And it's just been a nice t- little space in my day to tune out everything else and, and focus on God. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I love that. I, I feel like the rosary, just a daily rosary is such a, such a beautiful thing to implement as a habit because one, you can always depend on that time. Um, like you said, for prayer requests or for yourself or whatever it is, Um, but it's also just the rosary, I feel like is life-changing truly. And so I feel like even over time, you just notice the fruits of it so deeply. So that's a wonderful, that's a great current favorite. Yeah. And I mean, selfishly too, like this shouldn't be a reason for you to start, but it it takes no time. Like I think it, it seems daunting, like praying a rosary because it is obviously like repetitive, Mm -hmm. but it honestly takes less than 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and you can obviously like take your time with it and slow it down and it can take longer. And I I know the Hallow app has rosary as an option. I think theirs are more like closer to 30 minutes, but Mm -hmm. like you can make it what you want it to be. And it doesn't have to be like this huge time commitment of your day, but it can really change the course of your day just in a, you know, just in 15 minutes. Yeah. Totally. It's kind of funny because I've been saying mine, like last thing I do every night lately, I've been saying, I've been like, as I'm like falling asleep. And so I always have to ask my guardian angel, if I fall asleep during this, please finish it for me. Because (laughs) I, I swear, I I was just telling Bobby this the other day. I'm like, I only ever get to the third decade pretty much. And then my pregnancy insomnia has been so bad. So I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can finish my rosary. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That funny. reminds me of um, when I did the St. Andrew's novena leading oh, yeah. up to Christmas. I There was a couple nights where I would do it right before bed and I don't sleep with my phone in mm-hmm. the room, but I had set up the Hallow app to just guide me through it. And mm-hmm. I had to stop doing it because I would fall asleep. Like I wouldn't remember falling asleep and I would be out. And then in the morning, I'm like, I don't remember falling asleep to, yeah. to this That's novena. So <laughs> yeah. And the Palo app is so soothing. So I know it is. It's so true. Love it. Okay. Well, we are going to go ahead and welcome our beautiful guest, Lauren, to the podcast. Here we go. Hello, Lauren. Welcome back to the Sacrifice of Praise podcast. We're so excited to have you back on as our guest for today. It's Thank been you. a minute since we've 
had you on, I was looking back. I'm like, when was Lauren last on our podcast? And it was December, like end of December, 2021. It's wild. It's been like over two years now. Um, so a lot happens. I know a lot happens in like a year. So a lot can happen in two years. So for our listeners who know you, who have listened to your episode from the previous season, and just even everyone who might be new to the podcast, can you give us a little update on maybe, yeah, introduce yourself and then update on where you're at now. And we can get into your, the home sweet home, which um, I'm sure you have a lot to share with us on that one. So (laughs) thank you. I am excited to be back. Um, Yes, it was December. I think you're right. Like early December of 2021. So a little more than two years ago, which time goes so fast. And yeah, so what have I been up to? Well, as you mentioned, I have home sweet home. Um, Well, let me even back up. Okay. So last time I was on the podcast, a little over two years ago, we talked about some fertility stuff and just like conception and planning and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had had one baby and um, we kind of talked about some like motherhood stuff as well on there. And then I was getting ready to launch my home birth practice, home sweet home. And I had not done it yet. And it got like bumped a few months. So, um, but it all worked out and that started in the spring of 2022. So just about two years ago as well. Um, so I work right now as a home birth midwife. Um, I'm a certified nurse midwife and do prenatal care um, labor and birth at home and then postpartum care as well. And then I also offer women's healthcare. So if women need help family planning or conception or just any women's health needs, like frequent urinary tract infections or, um, anything hormonally going on as well as pap smears, all that kind of stuff. Um, my clinic is actually based inside my home. We have converted, um, part of our home into a clinic space. So there's an exam table and a couch and lots of toys. Cause kids are always here playing when <laughs> their moms are doing visits. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of what I've been up to. I have a very small intimate practice, but it keeps me pretty busy. I average about three or four home births a month and, um, women see me for all of their care. And so it's really nice to develop those intimate relationships during pretty much 10 to 11 months because you're pregnant and then you have your birth and then a couple of months postpartum. So it seems like together, um, I'm with my families for almost a year and it's just really great to grow in relationship with them and see their lives change as, um, their families grow. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's been honestly beautiful watching your, your home sweet home grow on just on social media, obviously. Um, and just seeing like your announcement post of the new babies each month. It's just, it's awesome that you offer that and that you found this beautiful calling for your life. Um, and I feel like your personality and just like your demeanor is exactly what I picture, like the most perfect (laughs) home, home midwife to be like, like, you're just so, just so patient and peaceful and gentle and incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and Tori and I are very selfishly so excited for this episode because we are both very close to having our babies. Yes. And so maybe to kind of start us off here, we have lots of questions about preparing for labor and delivery. So this is like a 20 part question. So, <laughs> bear with us. but at what point 
would you say like an expecting mother should really prepare for her labor and delivery? And I think like that could be a little bit like, well, right away, but like when you're like really doing all the things to like get the cervix, you know, ready to go. Um, so, so that's like first, like when should we do that? And then what are some helpful ways that we can do that? So mind and body, can you talk maybe about just like a couple different common things that people do to prepare their body and their mind for labor? I know like, you know, the common ones are like, eating dates and drinking raspberry leaf tea and curb walking and mile circuit and those kind of things. Um, is it ever too early to do those things? What does that all kind of look like? Yes. Good question. Very long answer. So <laughs> kind of dig into it here. Um, when should women start preparing would be before they get pregnant. If I'm being honest, because pregnancy is hard work. Mm-hmm. It is a lot on your body. Um, and then by the time you've been pregnant for nine months and then you have to go through labor, some people have quick labors and it's a couple hours and it seems just like a sprint. Other people might go on for 36 hours and it is a total marathon and it's a long haul. So when you, when should you prepare ideally before you're pregnant, before you conceive is that you'd be eating healthy, you'd get in shape. Um, and you know, make sure you're in a good mental state, all that kind of stuff. Realistically though, does that happen? Not all the time. Um, I will say for first time moms, we are usually having these conversations very early on because women are eager to prepare their body and exercise and eat well and, um, get eight hours of sleep every night and their mental health. Like they might have a therapist or a counselor and things like that. Fast forward when you're on baby two, three, four, five, it's not so much about labor prep. I'll be honest. It's more of like, how am I going to survive postpartum and how am I going to meal prep, take care of toddlers and do all that? So it kind of shifts depending on what baby you're on. And also what has your birth experience been like previously? If you've had pretty straightforward labors and births, Many moms often tell me, oh, I don't think about birth until like 34, 36 weeks. Then I'll be like mentally change that to think, oh yeah, I have to prepare my mind that I'm going to push out a baby in a couple of weeks. And that is very normal and healthy, um, you know, having that thought process, but definitely, um, I would say before pregnancy or at different points in your pregnancy to be eating well, um, and just getting your body physically ready to, to do some hard work. Um, so never starting too early is going to be harmful, but sometimes it's for moms who've had babies before it's those last few weeks and that's all you have time. And that's okay as well. Um, I would say preparing your mind is more important than your body actually. Um, and some people might disagree with that, but in my opinion, Pregnancy and labor is about 90% mental and 10% physical. Um, Yes, those are high statistics, but a lot of people say, oh, I could never have a baby without an epidural or pain meds or anything like that. And it's just shifting your mindset really from being, this is horrible. This is painful to, I know this is uncomfortable, but I have tools and support to get me through this. So it's just a big, um, 
mental shift really for people when they're preparing for labor and depending on the kind of birth that they want to have. Um, I have learned that through watching many women labor is that mindset is key for them. The moms who do daily affirmations, who read scripture, who focus on their breath work, maybe they're doing some sort of prenatal stretching or yoga or whatever that looks like, um, journaling and envisioning their birth have a lot more calmness and less discomfort in their labors than those who don't do those things to prepare. Mm -hmm. Um, so preparing for birth and pregnancy is not just physical things like eating well and moving your body, which are both important, but so much of the, so much of the mental load. Um, so that's kind of the mentality shift. We'll switch over to like the dates, the eat, working out all that <laughs> stuff. Um, yes, dates are a great source of fiber um, and lots of different vitamins and minerals. And they do help with constipation, which is a big thing that women struggle with in pregnancy. Um, so there's that. But in terms of labor prep, yes, there's a study that shows women who eat six dates or three to four large dates a day for about four to six weeks before their due date. So that's roughly week 34 to week 36 eating dates every day. Um, they had a shorter first stage of labor. So the first stage is dilating from zero to 10. So a shorter first stage of labor, um, less likely to need Pitocin to augment their labor. And what's the third one, the shorter first stage less. Oh, and more dilated upon hospital admission. So in this study, they compared women who ate the dates and their length of labor, did they need Pitocin and how dilated they were when they got to the hospital versus those who did not. And women who ate dates all scored better on those things, meaning shorter labor, more dilated and did not need augmentation of their labors. I don't know who wouldn't want to sign up for that, but yeah. that to me is huge. So I really encourage that for moms, um, first time moms or moms who've had long labors, or if they've always gone to, you know, 41 and a half weeks. Now I'm not saying that you're automatically going to have a two hour birth at 37 <laughs> weeks. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm just thinking, or I'm just saying that it doesn't harm anything to have dates and you do want to make sure. So you're not spiking your blood sugar to eat that with like a protein and good fiber and other things with your date consumption. So it's a good balancing blood sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, dates are great. Curb walking. Um, it is good to help. So the purpose of curb walking is so that you're moving your pelvis. It's going to open up your hips and cause baby to descend more. Um, it is a great exercise thing to do, but it's not really going to start your labor per se. It would be pretty rare for that to happen again. Could it happen? Yes, but it's more of just getting in a good exercise and trying to shift baby down into that pelvis. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's kind of that one. Perfect. Yeah. There's so many things out there and I think it can be really overwhelming, especially for new time moms of knowing what to do and, and letting go a little bit of all the control because some of it is in our, in our control and some of it's just like not in our control and it's our body's timing. So it is helpful to know, like of all those things that are out there, what are statistically like actually helpful and women have had good experiences with their labor and delivery from doing these things. I want to shift a little bit, still talking about preparing, but again, I think it depends on whether you're a first-time mom, your previous labor and delivery experiences, but labor and delivery, giving birth can be 
a scary thing. It can feel intimidating if you've never done it before, you're not sure what to expect, or if you had an unfortunately like bad experience previous times. And so for women of faith, how can we invite Jesus into the room with us during our labor and delivery? How can we shift our mindset to making it more of a peaceful experience and having a holy birth? Because I think that, like you said, shifting your mindset can really change the the course of how your labor and delivery goes, even if it's extremely painful and taking forever. Like if you have a different mindset, it could maybe help <laughs> you through those things. So yeah, for, for Christian women or any women, like how can we make this experience a holy one? Yes, that's a great question. And that is something that I spend a lot of time talking with my patients about is what do you want your birth to look like? And how can we kind of invite Jesus into this space because it is going to be hard and long and exhausting. And there might be times where you feel like you want to give up, but how do we um, invite Jesus into that? And what does that look like? So I think the biggest thing first and foremost would be prayer. Um, There's so many good resources out there for prayers and pregnancy, whether you want to do novenas or um, praying to certain saints. I'm sure all of us know all the different, there's lots of different saints um, related to pregnancy and childbirth and even breastfeeding, like all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of um, saints that we can reach out to. Um, One of my favorite um, resources is it's, there's a book and there's also an app. So the app is called made for this. And, um, it's like a teal background with a white cross and heart. And once you click on the app, it's really great. It has, um, so many resources. There are novenas, there's, um, devotionals. It has kind of what a common pregnancy app would have a week by week, like, what does your baby look like this week? But it also has a daily Bible verse. And then um, what should your heart be preparing for at this point in pregnancy? And so I really like that one. Um, The lady who created this app, and I think I'm saying her name right, Mary Hasseltine or Hasseltine, I'm not sure. Um, But she's based out of the US here. And she has a, like I said, app and the book and her book is called Made for This. And it really breaks down very beautifully what your body is doing in pregnancy. And her book really talks about the changes your body's going through and why we should view it as a sacrifice and a connection with God rather than something to fear or um, something to be scared of that's going to happen to us. So it's moving that relationship like pregnancy and birth is such a relational time with Jesus And you will never be closer to a miracle than carrying a baby or babies in your womb and giving birth to them. And so I really highly recommend this book to every Christian woman. It is Catholic based, but I have had non-Catholic women tell me that it made a difference in their pregnancy because of just the reading and um, the intimacy that the book gave them to open up the relationship with Jesus during pregnancy. So highly recommend that. I think the app is about $10 and you have it for forever. Um, There's also beautiful like litanies and um, uh, the chaplet 
chaplet of divine mercy. And then each mystery of the rosary is there and broken down into different stages of pregnancy. Like it's just a beautiful, beautiful resource. So highly recommend that one. I also really encourage people to pray for the kind of pregnancy and birth that they want. So a very simple prayer that I often prayed in my own pregnancies was dear God, please help me to have a holy, healthy, and happy birth. Like every day, that would be just my short prayer in the morning. And then at night, healthy, happy, holy birth, like just very to the point, obviously during the day, there'd be lots of other deeper conversations, but things like that, that are just simple reminders, um, that you can think of during your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like actual labor and delivery, I really encourage women to write down affirmations or Bible verses or things that are comforting to them. And if you like are planning to have a home birth, you can set that up ahead of time, which is great. If you're going to have a birth center birth or a hospital birth, you can make affirmation cards, string them on a thing, or like bring them to the hospital and put them on the walls. I used to work in the hospital and people would do that all the time. And I think it's beautiful. Um, you could put them on the wall. There's like little, a little banner thing you can hang them from, um, just to put them in your space to remind you. And if you don't want to hang them up, you can have your spouse read them to you while you're in labor, like each contraction, um, your husband could be, you know, saying some special Bible verses that you like, or that are relaxing to you, or just providing words of encouragement. Um, a lot of women will want to have a rosary or like a small cross that they can hold in their hand. I think that's really great. A lot of times, actually, I used to work at Mercy here in Des Moines downtown, and we would give out these um, medals um, that had a saint on them, like St. Gerard medals. And so I would often like if my patients were Catholic or while we were doing their intake admission, if they were Catholic, I would say, do you want me to bring you like the St. Gerard medal? And then we'd put it like tie it on their wrist or tie it to the bed that they were laboring in. And I cannot tell you how much of a difference I think that makes for people just again, to have them surrounded by that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing I would just say is just leaning into God. Like this is a huge time to surrender your body and your mind. I have so many women that offer up like prayers of intentions. And I've seen this before. Like people will ask on social media, you know, when they're like in their last month of pregnancy, what do you want me to pray for during my labor? I think that's such a beautiful way of, um, praying for other people and just really offering it up. This is a hard journey to go through, whether it's a couple hours or a couple days, it's long, And so what better way than to pray for people and pray for other intentions during your labor? Um, The thing that I always feel like I remember, and I've talked about this with multiple Catholic moms before is pregnancy feels so physical and very much like we're giving our bodies up. Like we grow a big belly and we might have stretch marks and our backs hurt and our hips hurt. And we maybe have not gotten great sleep. And then there's breastfeeding and all these different things to say over in your head and think about what we see every weekend and here every weekend, when we go to mass is this is my body given up for you. Mm-hmm. I repeat that self that saying to myself so many times that I'm pregnant And I've had many other Catholic moms tell me the same thing. Like just that reminder, this is my body given up for you. You are nurturing and giving life to this baby every day. And then to go through labor, very similar to, you know, what Jesus does and has done for us in his life. So just kind of keeping that 
in in mindset and in perspective of like, this is a beautiful thing that only us as women can walk through. And so offer that up to God as we're going through these hard, but absolutely beautiful times. I love that. Wow. Those are all incredible ideas. I mean, just like you said, I think, you know, preparing your mind and your soul for this is, is extremely like difficult and is, is a mental game almost. Um, but those resources are awesome. I can't wait to, I'm literally going to download that app right now after this episode. And I think, um, something that you said about like, it doesn't matter if you're having, if you're giving birth in hospital or birth center or at home, like you can still do all of these things in either place and create the birth plan and the environment that you want. And so I think that's really beautiful. Um, so for those people that do plan to have like hospital birth or birth center birth, what would you recommend? And you kind of already talked about like how they can create that, that peaceful and calm experience, but maybe what would you recommend that they bring to the hospital? And are there certain things, um, as far as like preparing, um, with your provider, are there certain things that we need to be talking to our provider about initially as well? Yeah. Good question. Um, so I'll probably start with the provider one, um, finding a good supportive provider, whether that's a doctor, a midwife or a family practice physician who you trust and who you really confide in to have the birth experience that you want. Um, maybe you want to opt out of some screenings or tests in pregnancy, just kind of talking that, talking to them about that ahead of time and knowing that you're not going to be blindsided by maybe things they require. Um, and also knowing like if you are going to have a group of providers, cause that can be kind of common or if you're going to have just one provider and, and what does that look like? Um, for yes, the hospital setting, I would say asking for dim lighting and usually you'll have control of like your surroundings and environment. So more dim lighting, quietness, um, thinking about bringing things that relax you. So this might be like your own pillow or a special blanket, um, a diffuser, essential oils, any massage tools. Like if you have a back massager, that can be super helpful. Um, we kind of already talked about like bringing a rosary or crucifix. Um, some people want pictures of their other children or affirmation cards. And in that app that I talked about as well, they have like tons, there's like 300 affirmation cards. They have biblical verse ones. They have saint ones, um, like St. Philomena, like all these quotes. And then, um, there's more like labor and birth ones, like each contraction brings me closer to my baby. So there's kind of different topics of cards, but the app literally has everything. They are beautiful. Um, and then, um, for actual like physical things, leave it pretty simplistic for what you need to bring. So for mom, that would be like, a change of clothes, maybe a comfy robe and some slippers, and then an outfit or two for baby. You don't need to go overboard because usually you're not going to be there super long for a first time mom, maybe two, two days for moms who've had babies before you could leave usually as early as 24 hours, but you might want to stay a couple of days. Cause it might feel like a vacation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then maybe a few, few more clothes, um, phone charger, snacks, chapstick, cause hospital air tends to be pretty dry lotion, um, and that kind of stuff. And then whatever your spouse needs, usually they need pretty minimalistic things, a phone charger, maybe a book to read stuff like that. Um, anything special you want to take with like the baby photos or, um, 
name plaques and stuff like that. Um, talking with your provider, like we kind of said initially, making sure they're a good fit, but then reviewing like a birth plan with them, asking about delayed cord clamping, if they do postpartum Pitocin injections or kind of what their standard is and how do you feel about that? Um, it's just good to kind of be on the same page and know ahead of time of what you want to have as part of your birth plan. Um, I think so many times, especially first time parents, you walk in and you don't know that you have all these options and you're going to be asked a hundred questions. And I always tell people, you can't make a decision if you didn't know you had these options. There's no one size fits all. Every um, option that you're presented, you can always say, can I have some time to think about that? So you don't need to rush into a decision to make. Um, you can always ask for more time or ask what are the pros and cons of, of the decision that you're presenting me. So just going in and kind of um, knowing that you don't have to rush to make a decision or an answer about things are, is important. Yeah. Those are also helpful. And I think kind of like we've mentioned before, there's just so much that goes into labor and delivery and it can be overwhelming to just remember all the things. And especially when it comes to, um, the decisions that kind of need to be made during your labor that I feel like in, in my personal experience, like wasn't really explained very well to me in the the appointments leading up to my labor and delivery. It was like, I didn't even know, know really what like Pitocin was right. um, until it was presented to me or um, some of those things that you could be t- potentially facing, just educating yourself ahead of time to know the questions to ask so that it's not like you, the first thing that the first and only thing that you should be worrying about when you're going in to have a baby is having a baby. And hopefully you already have an idea of what, what you need postpartum or even during the labor. So that's really helpful. Yeah. Okay. So if a woman expecting mom does not have a midwife or a doula, what, are ways that her partner can support her during their labor. So what are practical things that their husband can do to help their wife throughout labor and delivery? Because I think also men are, if husbands sometimes don't really know, like they want to be helpful, Mm -hmm. they're not quite sure how to be helpful. And so for the men who are listening, whose wives are expecting, or they plan to have a family what are ways that they can support and help like practical things that they can do to help her through labor pains and, and all that. Um, the first thing I would say is read really good books about pregnancy and birth, get educated on these topics before. So you're not surprised that it might take 36 hours to have a first baby, um, going into it, you kind of are more comfortable with verbiage and language. And the hospital uses a lot of different terminology that people never hear. And then you get in there and you're like, what's that? Wait, what? So just being familiar with words, um, and the process is, is going to make things easier. So lots of good, um, birth books. And then the second one would be taking a childbirth education class. Usually hospitals offer these here in Des Moines. We have lots of like private childbirth educators. So you can take a class not affiliated with the hospital. And usually they're tailored to, if you're wanting more of an unmedicated birth, here's what we're going to focus on. Um, And 
I personally really like hypno babies and hypnobirthing because it's a very calming, um, method and route to childbirth. And it really gets the dad involved. So, um, with like hypno babies, um, mom and dad both have these tracks to listen to during pregnancy that kind of helps them get more in tune with their body and what they may feel and how to cope with the discomforts of labor and to know what is normal because contractions are normal and they're good and they are progressive towards getting the baby out. Um, but it really works to relax your mind and your body. And I think that some of the most calm births I've ever been to, and I've been to hundreds, I haven't quite kept track, but hundreds and hundreds of labors is those who do hypno babies and hypno birthing. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal tool. Um, and then having the husband and wife, like talk beforehand, like the dad should know when his wife is uncomfortable, does she want to be touched or does she not want to be touched? Cause usually labor is the time that they might snap. And so you want to know that beforehand going into it. Like we talked about hip squeezes. Does that seem comfortable? to her in labor, um, encouraging lots of sips of water or electrolyte drinks, like coconut water, coconut water, body armor, um, keeping her hydrated is really important to prevent nausea, to prevent dehydration and just kind of help her through. Like we talked about labor can be really long. So offering her frequent little bites of snacks, if you're like laboring at home before going to the hospital, um, and water and, and stuff is very important. And then giving encouragement, this can, again, you'll talk about this beforehand. Does she want to be spoken to? Cause some women will be in labor and they'll hold up a fist and say, Nope. And they just don't want anyone to talk. And other women need like constant reassurance. You're doing good. That contraction is strong, but you can do this. It's on its way down. Like breathe through this, look at, you know, focus on this point things like that. So some women really need that encouragement, every contraction to get through and other people just want total silence. So learning that ahead of time. Um, and then I also think it can be helpful, especially like planning a hospital birth and you're not always sure what's going to happen and different interventions and things that may come up is having mom and dad create like a safe word. So if things are going well, and then the mom feels like she needs an epidural or things are just too overwhelming, like what is her safe word that she can tell her husband? Like, nope, I'm tapped out. I want an epidural. I'm done. I know we planned on this, but guess what? I'm, I'm having a change of heart and I'm having a change of mind. So just being really open and honest with communication, men cannot read our minds. Shocking. I know. And in labor, we might feel like hundred percent different than what we wanted to planning to go in. And we just don't know how long it's going to take or what's going to throw at us. And I think one of the biggest things is what determines and how it determines labor is if you had adequate sleep before you went into labor, that is a huge thing. And if you didn't, you're probably going to have a big shift of plan changes, honestly. So talking to your partner and just having that over communication, um, and then if they, yeah, so if you don't have like a midwife or a doula support, the other thing that could be really good would be, um, water and hydrotherapy. So you don't, I'm not saying like you have to have a water birth, but laboring in the shower at home before you go to the hospital or even sitting in the, um, bathtub at the hospital, um, both are super great and can really decrease discomfort and the intensity of contractions. So water can be very beneficial for that. And then, um, a TENS unit, TENS unit stands for trans electrical nerve stimulation. 
And it kind of looks like a bunch of stickers that you put on your back and then kind of like a little iPod. It has these wires and you can put it like in your pocket, but um, people use these like after surgeries, like on their backs or hips or knees or whatever. And it kind of sends like little electrical um, shock, like waves to your back that you have the tens unit on your back and it really can help decrease um, the pain with contractions. I have used it in one labor and not the other, and it made a world of a difference. And I have tons of women who for home birth and have hospital and have hospital births who have used these and they speak very highly of them. So it's a cheap, like 20 to $30 thing you can get off Amazon. And I think it makes a world of a difference for coping through, especially like early long labor, if it's your first baby, but, um, yeah, regardless of first baby, fifth baby, I've seen them used multiple times and they work really well. That's awesome. Those are all great tips. And I feel like it's, it's just, it's kind of crazy to me that there are all of these options and a lot of us don't know about them, um, or don't know that we have those options. And so it's awesome to hear you share these. Um, and I think I know it also is part of like just doing your research and asking your provider and those kind of things. But um, it's helpful to at least hear that there are so many other options that we just don't know about. And I think it's also very helpful for spouses to listen to that answer because I think it is like, I feel like a spouse can truly like make or break the situation. And I'm sure you've seen your fair share of both it going both ways. Um, so those are all very good tips. And I feel like you gave a lot of good tips on like how you can kind of go through or try to get maybe an unmedicated birth if that's what you're wanting. Um, so kind of shifting gears, let's talk a little bit about postpartum. I think for me personally, this is actually my bigger fear than labor is postpartum. And I know there are a lot of women that, um, feel the same way. So I know preparing for labor is super important, but do you have any like postpartum recovery tips specifically? I think, you know, obviously we go through these, this huge shift in hormones and those first weeks, pretty much everyone experiences like the baby blues, the mood swings, all of that. So what are some tips for that and all like, those postpartum contractions that you have um, prepare for after birth. Yes. yes. That's a great question. Um, like I said, I think moms who've had babies before generally have a little more anxiety about the postpartum time than their late births because they just know how intense postpartum can be. Um, the shift in hormones that women have from being pregnant to delivering their baby is one of the biggest drops in hormones that you'll ever have in your entire life with just the cutoff from like pregnancy hormones being super high. And then you deliver that baby, you deliver the placenta and then boom. So it's just a huge, a huge cutoff of hormones really. Um, so initially I'll talk about the postpartum cramps. Generally, the more babies you have, the more intense they get and they can be very uncomfortable. And I've even had women tell me that they would rather go through labor again than the postpartum cramps. Mm -hmm. So some tips for that would be a heating pad, um, before, like right after baby's born and in the first few hours and days to help with that, as well as if you want to go 
more of the medical route, um, ibuprofen is a great one for that and can really help take away some of those cramps. And generally the cramps tend to be worse when you're breastfeeding in the first few days. Um, and then if you want to go more of the natural herbal route, um, there are some, there's a company called earthly, they make a ease the ache. And then I think it's wish garden makes, um, a postpartum one for cramps. So it's called an after ease, I think. And both are like sprays you can put under your tongue, but both are really, really great to help with those intense contractions and afterbirth pains that you can experience. Um, in terms of just recovery and hormonal support, rest is huge rest and sleep and good nourishing foods. Um, a lot of countries around the world will say that they spend like women should spend the first 40 days, like pretty much in bed or around their bed and their couch. They shouldn't be leaving their homes. They should have warm nourishing foods for that is easy on the digestive system for their bodies to process. And here in America, I feel like we're very quick to be like, okay, one or two days, maybe a couple, three, four, five days. And then you're out, you're back to target. You're going to your mom's groups, all these kind of things. You're back to work at six weeks. That is absolutely not what you need. Um, you need to slow down. If you rest and eat good nourishing foods, your recovery, your mental health, your eating, everything is going to be better in your postpartum, postpartum life. Um, there is just a push for there to be lots of visitors postpartum. And that's really not what you need. You don't need people to come hold your baby. You need people maybe to take your other kids and play with them or, um, drop off meals. Meal trains are a great thing to have. So limiting visitors and really just focusing on your new family member is really important. There, like we talked about, there's a big drop in hormones. So if you are um, having a baby in generally like the spring or the summertime, spending a, you know time outside in the sun, getting in vitamin D is really important. Um, and if you're having a baby in the fall, you can still get outside. It might not be as sunny, but getting outside is really, really beneficial for mental health. And then, um, moving your body, obviously after, you know, you've had some time to recover, but exercise is one of the most powerful things for your mental health. The more you can move your body, the better you're going to feel. Um, but in terms of your hormones there, like I said, earthly, um, is a company who I really like, and they make a postpartum balance. That's what it's called. It, it's a herbal tincture and that really helps mood stabilization as well as wish gardens, baby blues is, is the tincture that they make in both of them. You put under your tongue. Um, obviously you'd want to talk to your provider about if that's safe and stuff, but I highly encourage that for my moms and it is safe with breastfeeding and both are just really good things to have on board as well as taking vitamin D in the postpartum time. Um, eating a good diet. Like we talked about limiting caffeine, which is hard because you're like, I need coffee and I need to stay awake. Um, but maybe doing less caffeine than you normally would, or even decaf. Um, or if you're going to have caffeine, maybe trying pairing it with protein and, um, foods that are otherwise good limiting sugar would be important and just limiting alcohol and stuff. You don't need anything else to kind of up your stress and up your cortisol because that will not help you sleep. Um, and then just talking through expectations with your spouse about postpartum, like, Hey, I really need help with dishes or laundry, 
or, you know, doing shifts of different sleeping. So like, I'm going to go to bed at 8 PM. Can you have the baby until 1 AM or even midnight? So I can get four uninterrupted hours, setting those expectations ahead of time are crucial, especially when you have other children, um, that you need to care for. And I think a lot of times women generally their husbands continue working if they don't have a paternity leave or a postpartum leave. Um, so women think I have to do it all by myself, you know, from 8 PM until 7 AM, but like you cannot survive on that for more than a few days. If a few weeks, you need to rely on your spouse and you need to have good upfront conversations with them about what that's going to look like for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like that's a, a common, something that you face pretty early on in your first app, like first time postpartum, just being aware of like what you need. Cause you don't really know what you don't know. And at least in my experience, my first postpartum was the hardest thing <laughs> ever, like, especially if you're not getting sleep and your husband's not getting sleep, no one's getting sleep. It can really affect every other aspect of your day. And so, yeah, to having that conversation with your spouse ahead of time, or even just like within a week, a weekend and getting the feel for how your baby is, how you're doing, but just like having, being on the same page about shifts and, and how they can help is, is so important. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So now we are shifting gears and going to be discussing home birth, which is, is this what you primarily do now, Lauren? Yes. Yep. I am not in the hospital. So home birth is, yep. That's what I do. Yes. And your last baby you had at home, correct? Yep. So I don't know if it's because I am now more surrounded by more moms or the community I'm in, but it just seems like home birth is becoming more and more common. I don't know if that's actually true, but I have, be- I have started to hear more about home births. So for those that are listening who might not know anything about home birth or have heard about home birth, but just like are like, why would anyone have a home birth? That seems so scary or whatever. What are the reasons that people turn to home birth and and why do they choose that for their labor and delivery option? Yes. Great question. I always ask this. This is like one of the first questions I ask when I meet people who are interested in a home birth, because usually we do like a consultation to kind of review their medical history, but also like, why do you want a home birth? So I get dozens of different answers. And sometimes I have like a little chuckle at like why they want to choose home birth. Um, and other times it's a pretty straightforward answer, but like I said, variety of reasons, most believe that birth is a normal, healthy process because they're young, they're healthy. They don't have any risk factors. And so they simply believe that birth is done best when left undisturbed. And I very much as a midwife agree with that and value that. So that's pretty much the biggest answer why people choose home birth is they don't want to have a lot of interventions and they're healthy and they've had good previous births. So they believe that, um, it's just going to be best if they don't have all those interventions and left undisturbed. So that's probably the biggest reason. A lot of women also have previous birth trauma from a hospital birth. And so they are scared to return to the medical system, to be honest. So maybe they were forced into an induction at 39 weeks because 
of whatever reason. And it, they had a four day induction and they pushed for five hours and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if they have previous birth trauma, a lot of women tend to come to the home birth side where they see one provider. We talk in depth, every prenatal visit about their hopes and their desires and dreams. And so sometimes they choose home birth for that reason. Other times women will choose home birth because they've had a really fast labors and they've had almost car births where they have had a car birth and they don't want to leave their house. And so they believe that it's safer to have a baby there because their labors might only be 60 or 90 minutes and they live 45 minutes from the hospital. So for them to call a midwife and have the midwife come to them is a lot easier than getting someone to watch their five other kids and then rushing to the hospital. So that's another reason why people would choose home birth. Um, so yeah, those are just a few of the different reasons that I frequently hear women choosing um, home births for. And you're right. There has been an increase, um, here we're in Iowa and really since the pandemic, um, when there was a lot of rules and testings and things that were just more hospital policy, um, I think that scared a lot of women. And so a lot of women started to think, well, I'm healthy. I am low risk. Why could I not have my baby at home with a skilled midwife who has experience handling, um, normal and abnormal things that do arise sometimes. So a lot of women have turned to home birth, um, at any given month in the Des Moines area, I would say there's at least 20 home births happening each month, probably more if that puts things into perspective. Yeah, that's wonderful. What, I mean, and you're, you've seen so many home births and you've seen, you know, so many hospital births, but for you, what would you say are like the fruits that you've seen from patients choosing a home birth? Yes. Good question. Probably the peaceful, um, lack of intervention, empowering births is the biggest thing. Like I said, and talked about in the last question, but a lot of women have had traumatic births, whether it was their first or second baby, but in the traditional healthcare system, they have some sort of trauma. And I have seen those moms have very empowering home births where they didn't need to have Pitocin. They went into labor naturally. They pushed out their baby after a few pushes um, in the water. They brought their baby up. They talked to them. They didn't have their baby removed from their chest and taken to a warmer and not have that skin to skin contact. Um, so we really focus on home birth, on keeping mom and baby together and letting that bonding happening, you know, for the first, honestly, even like two hours. So, um, I would just say the fruit of choosing home birth is that connection and, um, a lot of healing that takes place in births. I've also seen some phenomenal first time moms who have had home births and, you know, despite what society tells them is like, it might be long and it, it's going to be like days and super hard. And they have like a five hour labor, their water breaks, they start laboring, they call me, I go over to their house and they just have so much confidence. And I even laugh because my first baby was born in the hospital and I was a midwife at the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the confidence this mom has having a home birth is way more that confidence than I ever had. So it just speaks to the preparation and their mindset again, and their confidence level of what they had going into this. They were empowered. They were supportive and it's just such an intimate setting to have a baby. Um, so 
that can be really, really beautiful as well. Absolutely. With that though, too, I think that there are a lot of what ifs behind home birth or something going wrong during a home birth. Yep. And so, okay. What are some of the statistics behind hospital versus hospital births versus a home birth in terms of just safety? If you know that, and like people might ask, you know, is home birth safe? Yes. Good question. Um, there's a lot of different statistics out there and depending on what you read in the U S home birth is definitely not as common. I think it's like 1%, maybe 2% of babies are born outside of the hospital slash birth center systems. Um, so it's not super popular. So we don't have a ton of data as opposed to like, um, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and Europe, who has a much higher home birth rate, to be honest. Um, so a lot of stats come out of those countries as opposed to here in the U S but I will start by saying that hospital setting, um, it's about, and this statistic could vary greatly, but you know, probably like one in four women are induced in the hospital setting who are planning on having a hospital birth, birth end up getting induced hospital births and inductions in general come with, you're going to hear a variety of words, but cascade of interventions and lots of things thrown at them. So like you choose to get induced and then you get Pitocin and then there might be heart rate issues with the baby. So then you get an epidural and then your blood pressure drops and all those type of things. So a lot of times interventions can lead to a lot of different things happening and then resulting in not so great experience for mom and issues with baby. We have to remember that home birth is for low risk, healthy women. Um, we're not out here having births with people who have preeclampsia or blood pressure issues or diabetes that needs medication. Um, and a lot of things like that, that is all definitely safe to have in the hospital setting. Um, there are, there's one study that talks about, um, perinatal death. So death for baby and in the planned, um, home birth group, it was significantly lower when having a home birth with a trained and skilled midwife was lower than having, um, a planned hospital birth greatly due to the interventions. Like we talked about Pitocin induction agents, other medications, epidurals, cesarean births, which can be really hard on babies and things like that. Um, again, home births are for healthy, low risk women and hospitals see everything. So complications like diabetes, um, preeclampsia and stuff definitely play into those numbers, but generally, um, with a skilled midwife who, you know, has, um, experience dealing with those type of things, they can recognize complications and treat them as needed. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit on that end of things. And then I always talk about this with patients and safety is going to be there, whether you are having a baby at home or in the hospital is home birth safe. Well, that's completely up to and between the midwife and her patient, honestly, or the provider and her patient, because in other parts of the U S there are physicians who do home births. Um, I believe it is safe. Like I said, for healthy, low risk women. And sometimes that changes that can change in pregnancy and it can change mid labor labor could start out as low risk, but then turn high risk. And if that happened, then we would make a transfer to the hospital. Um, so 
yeah. And then just, you know, there's lots of screenings and testings and things that happen during pregnancy. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that when you like with my clientele, I see them their whole pregnancy. I saw them at week eight. I'm seeing them at week 38. I have gotten to know them very, very well. I know when their face starts to have swelling, I know when they're uncomfortable. Um, we have so many more intimate conversations during their prenatal care because their visits are about an hour long as opposed to women who maybe are in a large healthcare system or with a large practice, they might see their physician for two minutes, you know, every four weeks. And sometimes even then it's a group of like eight or 10 physicians. So they're kind of being shuffled through very quickly. And it's just really about intimacy and relationship and getting to know your patient and developing that trust so that when things maybe do change, I can pick up on that. Or they are not scared to say like, Hey, this is newly happening. And I'm not sure, you know, how I feel about this. What do you think? Um, so yeah, just lots of different takes on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very helpful because I do think that's probably, I mean, I'm sure that you have seen the biggest or one of the biggest concerns that people have is just like the safety of it all. So it's good to know that you view it as safe for the right people and it's really up to the woman and kind of what she wants for her birth experience to be. So I think that that's really helpful. Well, Lauren, this has been extremely, extremely informative and very helpful to me and I'm sure to many listeners as well. So if there is anyone listening that, you know, maybe is expecting or is planning to get pregnant or whatever it is, and they are very much considering a home birth. Um, could you maybe just share like how they can get in touch with you, get more information from you, all of that? Yes. Um, so I have social media, I have an Instagram and a Facebook page. Um, it's home sweet home midwifery and birth services. So they can reach out to me through there or my email hshbirth at gmail.com. Um, I also have a website, www.hshbirth.com. And then if you're in a different area and looking for home birth, there is a lot of great resources, but again, back to this app we talked about, um, there is a birth provider directory. So they have midwives, physicians, doulas, lactation consultants, physical therapists, everything. And it's all spread out. So it's a big map of the U S and you can click on them. And then it'll tell you if they're Christian or if they're Catholic or if they're pro-life and what services they offer. So again, that's a great resource that you could go on. And then there's lots of, um, groups on Facebook and mom groups, um, in the Des Moines area and other areas that are usually holistic and you can ask for recommendations for midwives and stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and for your knowledge. You have been so helpful and informative and we are very lucky that we got to spend a little time with you again. So um, thank you for being here with us. And as always, we end all of our episodes in prayer. And so I will go ahead and lead us in a prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of this episode. We thank you so much for the gift of this life. We thank you so much for the gift of our babies, of our bodies, of the gift of birth and labor, and just the miracles that that you do through these beautiful moments. Lord, we pray that 
um, you would just touch the lives of those that are about to experience birth, that you would just watch over all of these babies getting ready to enter the world and um, that you would be close to the mothers who are fearful of birth, fearful of labor, fearful of postpartum, that you would be with their providers. We thank you, Lord, so much for giving us the gift of Lauren and bringing her to this episode to share her knowledge and the gift that you have given her. We thank you for the gift of this podcast, and we pray that it reaches the ears of those uh, that need this episode the most. We love you, Lord, and we praise your name, and we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a friendly review. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Sacrifice of Praise Podcast and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, know that we are praying for you. Bye. Bye.